chapter 19, Matthew 19, and then we will leave that momentarily and go to Nehemiah chapter 8, Matthew 19 and Nehemiah chapter 8. It is a pleasure to be with you, uh, as Brother Frank mentioned, my wife Shana is with me. We have had a busy weekend uh, down in Mobile visiting our daughter, son of law two granddaughters, and drove up uh, last night to join you here. Thank you for the accommodations. And then we'll drive back this afternoon, and I'll preach at the 5 p.m. hour at Shades Mountain, and then and then we'll be back with you uh, Monday through Thursday night. We've been looking forward to being here, and I appreciate the invitation uh, to come and have a part in your spring uh, gospel meeting. We were here with you before, uh, almost six years ago, for a fifth Sunday, and we enjoyed being with you then. I've known uh, Frank for many, many years, and again, it's a great pleasure to be with you. Uh, glad to see Sister Pettigo here. I met her brother and sister Pettigo uh, 25 years ago when we moved down to Daphne, Alabama. Uh, we, I was the first preacher at the Eastern Shore Church of Christ. We started that congregation in Daphne. And uh, we moved on, of course, from there to Columbia, South Carolina, and then on up to Birmingham. But it was while we were down there in the greater Mobile area that we met Brother and Sister Pettigo. And uh, hated that Brother Pettigo passed, but he's gone on to his reward. We're delighted that you're here. And I loved his prayers and loved his preaching. Uh, and love you too and glad you're with us uh, this Sunday morning. Without any further ado, let's turn our full attention to the theme of the hour. Read this book. Read this book, and we begin in Matthew chapter 19. We're going to come back to Matthew 19 in this very same verse at the 1 p.m. hour to make a different point. But in Matthew 19 and verse 4, our Lord said, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? We're highlighting the first part of that. Have you not read? Think about that. Have you not read? I know that you are familiar with the Gospels as I am. You're familiar with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you know, as I know, that regularly our Lord uttered that statement. Have you not read? I believe with all my heart, my brethren, that our Lord expected the people of His day to have read His book. To read this book. And I am convinced that our Lord has the same expectation for us and of us today. Read this book. Have you not read that He which made them at the beginning made them male and female? We need to be a people that read this book. Frequently in uh, the gospel meetings and revivals that I do, congregations, uh, Shelton will still ask, how many daily Bible readers do we have? Sometimes, Jeremy, it's embarrassing how few hands are raised in a congregation. I don't mean to be ugly by that, but just, just truthful. Sometimes, so few hands are raised at all. 
and only a small percentage of the congregation are daily Bible readers. Before we go to Nehemiah chapter 8, I want to read something to you. Every year since 2011, the American Bible Society has put out a survey, usually in February of every year. The data here is from February of this year, 2019. But every year since 2011, the American Bible Society has put out a survey called the State of the Bible. It's large, you can download it, but a small part of it, Brother Dave, deals with Bible reading. This is from their survey of adult Americans, 18 and up. And won't you consider this, just by way of introduction as we lead into the body of our message, Have You Not Read? 31% of adult Americans say they never read the Bible, period. Bruce, that's almost a third. 31% of adult Americans say they never read the Bible, period. 16% read the Bible daily. That's where we are. Another 14% on top of that read the Bible multiple times per week. Another 8% on top of that say they read it once a week. Another 7% on top of that claim to read the Bible once a month. Another 6% on top of that claim to read the Bible three to four times a year. Another 8% on top of that claim to read it once or twice a year. And finally, the final 10% say they read the Bible less than once a year. Again, from the American Bible Society annual survey, the state of the Bible, and about Americans and their reading of the Word of God. If this were all we had, James, this would be enough to motivate us, to drive us to the Word of God and to read this book. But this morning, in the time that we have remaining, what we want to do is think about how to read this book. So with open minds and open Bibles... I hope you'll consider that with me under the title of Read This Book. How should we read this book? Admittedly, most folks are not reading it at all. If they are, they're reading it sporadically at best. We want to be among the folks, the 16% who read it daily. If not that, then Bruce, we want to read it at least multiple times per week. Get into the Word of God. This day and every day. Point number one under the title of read this book. Read it, we're in Nehemiah chapter 8, read it as the law of God. Read it as the law of God. In Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 8, here's what Nehemiah said about Ezra and other men. You remember the account. You can read it at your leisure. All of Nehemiah chapter 8. Ezra and others are on a wooden platform before the water gate, raised up, Brother Frank, and all of Israel is before them. And here's what Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 8 says in your Bible and in mine. So they read in the book, in the law of God distinctly, and gave the sense, and caused them to understand the reading. Now look at that, Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 8. So they read in the book, what book? The law of God. How did they read? Distinctly. What did they do then? They gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And that is what preachers do all the time. It's what Bible class teachers do. We read the book. What book? The law of God. We try to read distinctly. And then we give the sense and hopefully 
cause people, brethren and otherwise, to understand the reading of the law of God. We're emphasizing to read this book. How? Read it as the law of God. You know what I know, and I'm telling you what you already know. The word law is like a dirty word anymore. It's like a dirty word. People don't like it. What do you mean law? What do you mean I got to do this? People push back. It's, it's more than pushing the envelope. People push back hard against the concept, even the concept of law and the definition of the word law. Namas in Greek, N-O-M-O-S, namas, law. They don't like it at all. But this book is a book of law, and we must read it as a book of law. There is an equivalent to Nehemiah 8.8 in Romans 7 verse 22 where the Apostle Paul said, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, Romans chapter 7 verse 22. For I delight, is that you and me? For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Read this book, read it how? Read it as the law of God. Not only, and this is still point number one, but let's blow it up a little bit more. Not only is this the law of God, it is the law of the Lord. For the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Psalm 19 and verse 7, you know that verse. The law of God, Nehemiah 8, 8, Romans 7, 22, is the law of the Lord. Psalm 19 and verse 7, again, for the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Indeed. So the law of God is the law of the Lord, and it is the law of Christ. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The law of God, the law of the Lord, the law of Christ. We're not done yet. Romans 8 and verse 2 calls it the law of the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Romans 8 and verse 2. The law of God. Read this book how? Read it as the law of God. Read it as the law of the Lord. Read it as the law of Christ. And read it as the law of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Godhead as we normally proclaim. We're not done yet. On top of that, read it as the law of faith. Romans chapter 3 and verse 27 says in your Bible and in mine, where is boasting then? Paul in that verse asks a question, answers it, and goes on from there. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, no, but by the law of faith. Romans chapter 3 and verse 27. We ought to read this book as the law of God. Read it as the law of the Lord. Read it as the law of Christ. Read it as the law of the Spirit. And read it as the law of faith. One more. This is, according to James 1.25, the perfect law of liberty. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. James 1.25. Work backwards. This is the perfect law of liberty. It is the same as the law of faith and the law of the Spirit and the law of Christ and the law of the Lord and the law of God and so we ought to read this, read this book, God's book, read it as the law of God. But first and foremost, read it as law, law for your life and for mine. And if we disobey it, if we fail to keep it, 
There are consequences for that. We answer to them. We don't do like so many do in our society, try to avoid the consequences of our actions. We answer for it. We make it right. And we move forward with the forgiveness that only our God can provide. Point number two. Again, under the title of Read This Book. Again, many folks are not doing that. You can gauge yourself. Paul said, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves, 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5. So I, I ask you to examine yourself, put yourself to the test. Where do you fall on that? Are you part of the 31%? I seriously doubt that. The 16, the 14, the 8, the multiple 7s, the 10, whatever it might be, we want to be daily readers of the law of God. Number two, read this book. Read it how? Read it as the book of the Lord. Read it as the book of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 34 and verse 16 says, in part, seek you out of the book of the Lord and read. Seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read Isaiah 34 and verse 16. We ought to approach this as the law of God and we ought to seek out of this book the law of the Lord and view it as the book of the Lord indeed. How should I read this book? Read it as the book of the Lord. One more time. Seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. Why? Why do that? Because it's the Word of God, as you well know. May I again tell you what you already know. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, um, down just a little bit in that verse, Paul said, when you receive the Word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, and then I love this last clause, but as it is in truth, the word of God. Isn't that beautiful? When you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. And so, this is the word of God that we read as the law of God and the book of the Lord. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, our Lord offered this response to the first temptation of the devil. Our Lord said, you know what, Matthew 4 and verse 4, it is written, he's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth, watch it now, out of the mouth of God. This proceeded from the mouth of God. And we ought to read it, therefore, as the book of the Lord. It belongs to him. He owns it. He is the originator of it. We are but mortal men and women, honored. I, I'm honored to stand before you, a 59-year-old man who has been a Christian for, raised in a Christian home. I had that blessing, Jeremy. You were raised in a Christian home. My mother and dad are still living. My dad is uh, 83. My mother is 82. Uh, they haven't had their birthdays this year uh, so far. They're in uh, more than reasonably good health. They live in Pocahontas, Arkansas. When our girls were little, they thought, boy, that was going to be like really magical when we went up to Pocahontas and they realized uh, that's like rural Arkansas. <laughs> uh, now, it's a, it's a pretty good place. Uh, let me interrupt myself to say that there are more rivers flowing through, that's Randolph County, Arkansas, extreme northeast corner. More rivers flow through Randolph County, Arkansas than any other county in the United States of America. Five rivers come out of Missouri, or as we call it there, Missouri. Uh, five rivers come out of Missouri, and one river uh, into Randolph County, one river, Black River, flows out uh, and uh, goes into the Arkansas River, then the Mississippi, and into the Gulf. But uh, So I grew up 
learning to swim in Eleven Point River, canoeing and, and tubing and enjoying the water there. My dad has property out there where we raise beef cattle. And so, uh, uh, wonderful, wonderful indeed, my brethren and my friends. We're mere mortals. But this is the creation of God. And this is from God indeed. Indeed. But I am privileged to stand before you 59 years old. I've been a Christian for 45 years. I've been married for 30 years. We have three beautiful living daughters. Hallie, who is about to turn 28. McKenna, who is 25. And Connor, who is 23. The oldest is married and has our two beautiful granddaughters. We're a blessed family. I want to tell you that right off the bat. We'll be with you through Thursday night, but I stand before you a New Testament Christian, a gospel preacher with a faithful Christian family, and I weep with joy, my brethren, no exaggeration about how blessed we are, Shana and I are. We are blessed beyond measure, beyond what we deserve. And I'm honored to be with you and us begin by talking about reading this book. Read it, again, as the law of God, number one, and read it as the book of the Lord. I remind you that our Lord said in Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. They will never pass away. This is the word of God that never and never will pass away. And we ought to read it as the book of the Lord. Point number three. Point number three. Read this book. Read it, number one, as the law of God. Read it, number two, as the book of the Lord. Read it, number three, to understand. Read it, number three, to understand. Understanding has been undersold in our society. That would be my judgment. I'll qualify that as my judgment. You, you may disagree. I wouldn't be dogmatic about it, but but I believe that understanding has been undersold. There's a lot of misunderstanding in our society. We'll talk more about that relative to marriage and the family uh, at the 1 p.m. hour when I preach to you under the title of God's Family Plan. We'll get quite explicit with that sermon. A little bit from now during the morning worship hour, I'll preach under the title of The Church We Ought to Be. The Church We Ought to Be. But before then, understanding. How important is that? If you have a good concordance, uh, I primarily quote from the King James Version. I'm, I'm still using my Young's analytical concordance. So Dave, the, the elders at the Pyburn Street Church of Christ in Pocahontas, Arkansas, gave me when I graduated from high school in 1978. I uh, love that volume. Love that volume. you got a concordance, look up the word understanding. You might be surprised about how often that word occurs, indeed. Multiple Greek words translated understanding, indeed, without any doubt. But without going into that, it's greatly, understanding is greatly misunderstood. Proverbs 4 and verse 7 says in your Bible and in mine, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get wisdom. Understanding Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 7. One more time. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, conclusion, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Man, our brethren need to hear that. Our, our brethren need to hear that. I don't, I don't mean to run on some kind of crazy negative note, 
But we've got brethren that need that. They need understanding in the Word of God. Uh, like uh, Brother Frank and, and Brother Dave and others here, uh, the late Brother Pedigo, I travel quite widely among the Lord's people, among uh, New Testament Christians preaching every year. Boy, there's trouble everywhere. I'll be in Indianapolis uh, in, uh, I think it's October, at Shelbyville Road uh, with Brother Ben Vick and the brethren uh, be there again with them. And they got trouble all over in Indianapolis. We got trouble in Birmingham. We don't have to leave town. The church is in trouble. Unbelievable. Why? Well, one of many reasons, they're not reading this book. And if they're reading it, they're not understanding it, Jeremy. There's a problem. Shakespeare would say there's something dead in Denmark uh, and there's something bad in Birmingham. We want to correct that. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 4, let's join the reading and the understanding in a, in a hard form here. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 4, here's what the Apostle Paul said, whereby when you read... You may understand, get it now, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge and the mystery of Christ. I believe, Dave, I picked this up from uh, our buddy Wayne Jackson. I may be wrong about that, but I think that's right. If not him, the late Brother Avon Malone. I had Brother Avon as a Bible teacher at Harding, and that dude was rich, Dave. You, you worked alongside Brother Avon. But one of the two, brother, late Brother Avon or Brother Wayne, said... Paul believed that the Ephesians could read what he wrote, understand what he wrote, and then have his knowledge in the mystery of Christ. That's a nice little commentary on Ephesians 3, 4. Whereby, Paul said, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Paul believed those brethren could read what he wrote, understand what he wrote, and have his, Paul's, knowledge in the mystery of Christ. And we can do the very same thing. One of the three ways, you know, we won't get into this, but one of the three ways that the Bible authorizes by implication. And so, therefore, there's an application, because of the implication, there's an application to us. We can read it and understand it. Why read this book? Read it as the law of God. Read it as the book of the Lord. And read it to understand. Two chapters later, Ephesians 5 and verse 17, Paul will say, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. That's where we want to be. Understanding what the will of the Lord is. Point number four. Five points this morning. Point number four. Read this book. Read it how? Read it as the law of God, Nehemiah 8, 8, uh, Romans 7, 22, so on and so forth. Read it as the book of the Lord, Isaiah 34 and verse 16. Read it to understand Ephesians 3, 4 combined with Proverbs 4, 7 and Ephesians 5 and verse 17. And point number four, read it out loud. Read it publicly. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13. 1 Timothy 4, 13. Here Paul, the older preacher says to Timothy, the younger preacher, 1 Timothy 4.13, the old King James says, Till I come, give attendance. More recent translations have attention, uh, as you might expect. Until I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. 
The doctrine. Tonight at 5 p.m. back at Shades Mountain, I'm going to preach under the title of The Doctrinal Difference. The Doctrinal Difference. One of our deacons is uh, filling the pulpit this morning. Uh, indeed, uh, in fact, his daughter, uh, Emily, married a boy from this area that we were talking about. Uh, I think uh, James and Tina and I and Shannon a moment ago uh, married uh, Ethan Kicker from the Redland Road congregation. Uh, and so a good family, uh, Terry and, and Deborah a kicker at the Redland Road congregation. But be that as it may, tonight I'll preach under the title at 5 p.m. of The Doctrinal Difference. But we're highlighting the first word there. Till I come, give attendance to reading. Reading. Anagonosko is the Greek word. Anagonosko. I mention that because gnosko is one of the primary words, uh, it is the primary word for knowledge, and the second most primary Greek word, it in the strength and form, epigonosko, for understanding. Knowledge and understanding are, are intertwined. They, they, they come from the same Greek root. Gnosko, epigonosko. And here we've got this form, anagonosko, that's reading, and literally, anagonosko means the public, out loud, reading of the Word of God. I mean, Jeremy, they didn't have the finished form that we've got. Uh, like most preachers, over the years I preached on how we got the Bible. I, I spent uh, 14 months at Shades Mountain on a Wednesday night some years back. Every Wednesday night we, we, we covered more, we added more. Indeed. Indeed. Read it out loud. Read this book. Read it how? Read it publicly. Read it out loud. Paul says to Timothy, till I come, give attendance, give attention to anagonosko, to reading the public out loud, reading and to exhortation and to doctrine. At Shades Mountain, like most congregations, before I preach, one of our men reads the scripture out loud, publicly. Uh, Shelton, before the congregation. Of course, I preach out loud from the Word of God. I'm reading out loud from the Word of God. We do it in our Bible classes. We're complying Today, on the Lord's Day, we do so on Wednesday nights. We're complying with 1 Timothy 4 and verse 13. We're doing now what they did then. And you can't go wrong with that. Uh, Frank, my dad, 83-year-old dad, almost 84, is a big Alexander Campbell guy. And uh, Shane and I last fall were able to go up to Bethany and, and uh, take the tour. But... Uh, when I was a teenager, my dad gave me my first copy of The Christian System, which is probably Campbell's most popular work. Had a different name when it originally came out in, in, uh, in 1835, and then uh, Campbell didn't like that. The, the title was changed without his permission when it was printed, and so uh, he was traveling, and he came back, and he, he gave it the title of The Christian System in the second edition in 1839, and that's the one we, we still use now. It's still in print, that, that volume is. In that volume, you will find Campbell giving a description of a typical Lord's Day worship service in what was then Virginia, hadn't had the division then, uh, for, for that day and age, a Lord's Day worship service. And of course, we know about the Lord's Day worship from the New Testament. And we know about what we do today. And years ago, Dave, in preaching in Poplar Bluff, Missouri, I just laid out, didn't have any PowerPoints in, so I did it on the old uh, overhead Fred thing. And uh, I had a chart, first century, a column, first century, then the 19th century, and then at that time, uh, the 20th century. 
and what they did, apostolic age, as per the New Testament, what Campbell said they did, little differences. Campbell says, you know, they, did, they didn't pass the Lord's Supper out. Uh, and it appears to have been, if I'm not misreading him, to be a closed communion. If you were a Christian, you got to come forward, and they, they circled a table and partook. And I still preach in some country congregations, Frank, where this wouldn't be right, Frank. They'd have it covered up with a sheet, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm not mocking that. And, and at the appropriate time, they pull that dude off, and we're ready to engage in the eating of the Lord's, the Lord's Supper. So, little variants there, but they did the same things then that we do now. First century, 19th century, 21st century. We're doing now what they did then. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Point number five and finally. Read this book. Number one is the law of God. Number two is the book of the Lord. Number three, read it to understand Number four, read it out loud publicly, 1 Timothy 4, 13. Number five, read it and be blessed. One verse, Revelation chapter 1 of verse 3. Revelation 1 of verse 3. And, and we know that this had an application, strictly speaking, in context to what we call the book of Revelation then. Blessed is he that readeth. And they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Revelation 1 and verse 3. Blessed is he that readeth. Read this book. How? Read it and be blessed. Blessed is makarios. M-A-K-A-R-I-O-S. Makarios. And that Greek term, depending upon the context, could be translated either happy are fortunate, are favored, and really all of those work in Revelation 1 and verse 3. Blessed, makarios, favored, fortunate, happy is he that readeth. And we're not talking, and you know this, but I'll say it anyway, we're not talking about the prosperity gospel. That, that's, that's a lie. That's not true. We're not, we're not talking about the prosperity gospel that one hears so often uh, in televised uh, religious broadcast? Not at all. But I believe, as you do, that there is a blessing for reading this book to my life and for my life, to my family's life and for my family's life, and that I'm favored by reading this book. I'm fortunate and privileged by reading this book because it opens to me the very Word of God. Blessed is he that readeth, they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. There's the, the onus for us. Keep those things which are written therein. Read it. Understand it. Do it. It's not always easy, but it can be done. And you know that in your life, in the life of your family. we got a few more minutes that's the message of the Bible class hour. Let's open it up for just a minute. Question, comment, a thought that you might have relating to reading this book. Anything at all. Don't hesitate. Anything at all. Frank, you're kind of a semi-talker, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, that's too kind. Yes, sir. 
You know, I don't know. I don't know. And that, and, and that, Shelton, that's a good thought. I suspect that they would have been much higher. Uh, and there might be a way to, to Google that and find out. I don't know who, who was doing that type of surveys 50 years ago. Uh, that's, that's a very, I may, I, may, I may do that. If I use this material again, I may, may want to have a little comparison uh, with that. That's an excellent thought. I do know this. Uh, again, this is my, I've been using this Cambridge edition of the King James Version. I bought it at Freed Hardeman at the lectures, February the 7th, 1995. Dude's falling apart, but I, I just, I've got so many notes in there, I, I don't want to get rid of it. Uh, I mention that because although the New International Version is in dollar sales and in volume the biggest, largest selling Bible uh, in the English speaking world, it is not the most read. That is still, the King James is still the second best selling English translation of the Bible. Second best selling, but it's the most read. I wrote a bulletin article about this and did a little research a few years ago. It's the most read version. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that to promote. I'm not selling Bibles out of the back of our pickup truck out here in the parking lot, to, you know, uh, anything like that. I'm not trying to hawk Bibles here. <laughs> Dude came for a gospel meeting and was trying to sell us Bibles. Uh, not, not trying to do that. But uh, I like that. I like that. Dave? I did not know that. I'm going to do that. Okay. A good number of the founding fathers were a part of the American Bible Society. That, and that, that ought to be impressive to us. Indeed. Anyone else? Thought, question, comment before we put an amen to it. Yes, sir. What would, uh, if we read out loud today in our society today, and we had our Bible read out loud, what kind of reaction do you think we get? Yeah. People, what would they say about us? I'm afraid. Would, would we be strong enough to do that? Well, I hope so, because we, like, like you, now Shane and I, and we were, again, all weekend with our oldest daughter and her family. Uh, wherever we ate, we pray. I mean, we're holding hands as a family and we're praying. Always do that. And never have had any problem, only compliments for it. Would that, could you, would that translate though into actual public Bible reading? I suspect you would get asked to leave. You might get assaulted. I was looking on my phone this morning. There's a woman who's in hiding because she assaulted someone who had a particular hat, red hat on. And the police are after her, and she's, she's in hiding somewhere. They're checking the pings on her phone and all that. Uh, but she assaulted a man for wearing a hat in a restaurant. So I, my late grandfather would say, I reckon 
And that's why I like Romans 8, 18, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. I like that word reckon. We need to reinvent that dude. I reckon, I reckon that we might get hands laid on us for reading the Bible out loud. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I, and, and I hope I'm wrong. But get asked to leave, might you know, be a little push, you know, get shoved out the door. Who knows? Who knows? And is that where we are in our society? I'm afraid it is. I'm afraid it is. That's a good thought. Fifty years ago, I'm going to look into that. Yes, sir. You bet. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, where's the bass boy here? Uh, bass brother. Bass. Uh, are you getting me in trouble? Are you going to get me in trouble here? Uh, this is David Bass's son. Yeah. Uh, and I, and uh, Tia's husband, Mark, and I have had this conversation. I, I, I don't have a lot of the debates I had. At one time, I had a huge, I still got hundreds of debates. At one time, I had a huge uh, collection of, of debates. And Mark told me that he thought maybe the only person he knew of had more was Mark Bass. A lot of debates. I love a good debate. Love a good, love, I'm always reading some kind of debate. Yeah, a lot more of that. Yeah, indeed. All right, a uh, couple minutes. I think we'll go ahead and shut it down. Great to be with you. And the assembly of exhortation will begin a few minutes from now.